This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. How do you like your eggs in the morning? I like mine with a kiss. Boiled or fried? I'm satisfied as long as I get my kiss. How do you like your toast in the morning? Good morning, everybody. Like it's Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Malcolm White with Carol Puckett. Carol, how do you like your eggs in the morning? I like them scrambled or poached. How about you, Mal? I love an omelet, uh, but I also love an over easy fried egg. Uh, and honestly, never really met an egg I didn't like. I love a hard boiled egg. I love a poached egg. I love a soft boiled egg. Love a scrambled egg, but we got to talk about techniques because you sent uh, you sent me a link to a Jacques Pepin uh, preparation that he called the French scramble, the traditional scramble. Yes, I did. It. And I sent you an article that I had found about adding lemon juice to your scrambled eggs to create more fluffiness. Fluffy. Well, Malcolm, you started this because you sent the article early in the week. And, you know, as we all know, you are always on top of trends. You're, you're the first to spot the, the big thing out there. And I was intrigued by your article. It was a food scientist had written it about, you know, putting a squeeze of lemon juice. And so that took me down a rabbit hole for other forms of scrambled eggs, but I, I did try your, your lemon juice scram, scrambled eggs this morning. And? They were delicious. Now, you know, when I, I read the article, it talked about how acid, you know, reacts with protein. Right. Uh, and, that, and that's what makes the egg fluffy. But the trick is you don't want to beat the lemon juice in the scrambled eggs because that will, will give it a lot of structure and stiffness. Hmm. You want to just put the little squeeze in when you're sliding them into the pan. Uh-huh. And You I mean before you cook them, not after? Before you cook them. I mean, like, like when you're just getting ready to slide them into the pan, yeah, don't yeah. stir it in. You just... Add a little squeeze. They said yeah. about a half a teaspoon. I just put a light squeeze. And, you know, I was wondering, I said, is this, you know, what difference could this make? And I, I, at first I couldn't see a visual difference except they were, the color was light. Mm. But man, when you taste it, you can really taste, it just gives a little lift and you don't know what it is. I mean, it's not like you taste lemon, right? but it was just a beautiful flavor. So well, that's great. You. No, thank you. I'm glad you tried it. And, uh, you know, there's always um, things out there that we can learn when food scientists uh, share. I usually pay attention. And, you know, speaking of uh, scrambling or beating the eggs, uh, I was really interested in the Jacques Pepin's uh, preparation uh, for a number of reasons. One is he, he shared a real important tip about cracking the egg. Oh yeah. You know, for all of my adult life, I have cracked eggs on the side of the bowl and a couple of things happen. Oftentimes I will break the yolk in doing this. 
and oftentimes a bit of yolk will go into the eggs. Jacques Pepin tells us to hammer the egg on a flat surface and then open it up and put it into the bowl and that will eliminate any bacteria that might be transformed, transmuted from the shell of the egg to the interior uh, egg itself. And he said, you will not have any possibility of breaking your yolk. What did you think about that? Well, I think it's a, uh, just a great tip. I had actually uh, seen him do that before. And I think I told you it was life changing to learn how to really crack an egg. Cause I'm one of those people that always gets a lot of shells in the egg. And then you have to fish them out and then you, I know. you, you add more bacteria. Yes, uh, you do. So but, anyway. but uh, Malcolm, I was really interested to look, I looked at Jacques video and then it took me down the rabbit hole to look uh, on YouTube, Gordon Ramsay's video and then Anna Gartens. And I just wanted to give you a few figures. Jacques put out that video in September of 2020. It has already had 992,000 views. That's a million views on scrambled eggs. Mm -hmm. Then Gordon Ramsay's, who uh, he put his out about 10 years ago, 45 million people have watched his video on scrambled eggs. So let me just say, I think we're on top of things. People want to know about scrambling eggs, but every recipe everything I looked at was different I did not see anything everybody has their own little thing and one of Jacques that I really liked is you know he, he's doing the French eggs which are right. it's more like grit it turns out more like grits I mean they're a, a very very fine egg but he holds back about two tablespoons of the egg mixture and then maybe a little bit of half and half or cream to the end to cool off the eggs so they stop cooking and you know they don't get don't get hard and and I liked that now uh, as as you know and some of our listeners will know because I've talked about it before when I was living in New Orleans in 1976 I went to an omelet making class and we were taught to make a french omelet <clears throat> and the way we were taught was you, you put the eggs in the bowl and, and you add just a splash of water on top of the eggs. Then you whip them up and you get your, your skillet very hot with butter or oil or combination thereof and to where it's, it's starting to bubble. And then you pour your egg mixture on it uh, into the butter, into the skillet, and it sort of browns the bottom. And then you begin to pull the egg to the center with a fork and it continues uh, to cook as you build these folds and when you get ready to add your ingredients at the end and put it onto your pan, you get this beautifully wavy uh, browned uh, omelet. And, and it's quite different than what uh, Jacques was talking about. Of course, Jacques was talking about scrambled eggs. He wasn't talking about an omelet. Well, one of the things that has in common, and by the way, you make one of the best omelets I've ever had, is it's really important to pull the pan on and off the heat. And that was something that kind of 
uh, resonated across all the YouTube videos I had that when it right. starts cooking too fast, you pull it off the heat and work and then put it back on and put it back off. And I know you do that with your omelet. All right. If anybody's interested in discussing uh, egg techniques, whether it's cracking, scrambling or making an omelet, you're welcome to give us a call. Join that conversation. We're going to move on. Carol, you spent a bunch of time uh, running around to uh, catfish houses or sharing with me information about catfish houses. Did you eat in a catfish house? No, no. <laughs> I was I was on my way to Hattiesburg to a, a to a family wedding and I always think of you when I pass Jerry's Fish House. Ah, although I've only eaten there once. <laughs> I know it, but you and our friend Bruce Browning yep. used to always you know, tell me how many people were lined <laughs> up at Jerry's Fish House at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So we go by at 3.30, and now Barry's comes before Jerry's. Barry's parking lot was full at 3.30. <laughs> So we go on down, you know, past Jerry's, and it is full. There was not a line, but the parking lot uh, was full. So I guess that's the early, early bird special. That's the very early special. And Bruce and I used to call Jerry's, which is, uh, you, you know, it has very unique architecture. It's a uh, dome. It's a dome. We used to refer to it as dome fish. Yeah, I love it. But I'll tell you where I did get to eat. And I ate at Robert St. John's new restaurant, El Rayo, yeah. in Hattiesburg. Tex-Mex. It is wonderful. I mean, the, the decor is fabulous. Robert uh, walked me around and showed me all the different things. You know, he, he is such a creative guy, not just in the, in the kitchen. And pretty soon he'll open a big patio and bar that will seat another 130 people. So yeah, and you know, as if it's quite he, a destination. Oh, absolutely. And as if he had, you know, doesn't need anything else to do, he'll be opening up three restaurants here in Jackson in the Fondren mm -hmm. District, which are under construction as we speak. I believe he's the only person we know who would dare open a new restaurant during the pandemic. Jeff Good and Dan did it. That they did indeed. They moved uh, Sal and Mookie's. Sal and Mookie's from Fondren to uh, Eastover uh, to the district and right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. So, it's, hey, it's hey, bold. Hey. It's bold. Let it rip, uh, boys. I Let know. it rip. <laughs> well, before we go to, you know, to our next segment, I have been so eager to talk to Java because I read that he was up at the Grammy Museum uh, this weekend or Friday or Saturday or sometime. And I want to know if he ate at any of our favorite places in Cleveland. Well, you know, I did have to um, support the local restaurants. And uh, it was it was kind of funny because we didn't know where to go in Cleveland uh, to eat. So, of course, we asked the locals. So if anybody's ever on a trip and you want to know the good place to eat, talk to the people who are there. And um, they said we should go to Hey Joe's, which was down the road from uh, the Grammy Museum, um, Mississippi. And it was a it was a great place. It's, um, I, <laughs> the highlight of my uh, time there was the free arcade games that they had. I played. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> uh, Java, I want to guess what you had at, at Hey Joe's. 
Okay, go go ahead. Okay. Were you on your vegetarian or non-vegetarian binge? Very non-vegetarian. <laughs> okay. I bet you had the Kevin Bacon burger. Oh, I'm going to take you to the casino with me, Carol, because you're my lucky. <laughs> that was spot on. That's, that's exactly what I got, the Kevin Bacon burger. Well, I knew if you were if you were doing vegetarian Java, it would have been the Nirvana, which is one of one of my favorite sandwiches there. But I can see you in the Kevin Bacon burger. Yeah, when anything has like um, a top seller or local favorite next to it, I'm a I'm, I'm gonna give it a whirl. And then the um, the next day we um, ate at uh, Chef uh, Cole Ellis uh, Delta Meat Market. Well, he is one fine chef, and, and, you know, we've got to get him back on the radio show. It's been a while, but Mississippi is so lucky to get a, you know, nationally known chef returned to his hometown and, you know, stir up some great stuff there after the career he's had. And then to round out the Mississippi meal for dessert, I was able to have some uh, sweet magnolia gelato, which is um, packaged in um, in Oxford. And so I want to say uh, thank you to um, Mr. Wint- uh, Barthrop. Oh, I'm messing up the name. But um, it's another great Mississippi product, sweet magnolia gelato. So if you see that out. Yeah, that stuff's great. And it used to be in, in uh, Clarksdale. Clarksdale. And then yeah, it was in Oxford. Clarksdale. And it, th- that's a great, uh, as you say, Mississippi product. Uh, you know, when Java was explaining that he had the bacon cheeseburger, the bacon burger, the Kevin bacon burger, I was going to say, Java is a man who loves his pork on his beef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes to the meat market. <laughs> when so in, Java, when in Cleveland. <laughs> I got a question for you. You went to the Grammy Museum, and I'm sure you know a lot about the Grammys. You're a music guy. Is there a Grammy for a DJ? Not so much a a Grammy award. One that often goes to DJs is in the um, like the electronic music category, because a lot of those guys are are DJs. But um, there there's such thing as like the DJ awards and um and uh, mixtape awards, but not so much a specific. That's on you. you that's on to something, Malcolm. I never thought about it that way. It may it needs to be a a, a specific DJ award, but then you got to break it down into categories. You got your hip hop DJ, you got your radio DJ, you got your electronic DJ. So that stirs up a whole nother hornet's nest. Yeah. Well, you know, for years people would say, well, drummers are not musicians. Uh, you know, I'm like, so what are they? They're percussionists. They are musicians. And and so I guess some people would say that DJs are not musicians. But as you say, you know, they they do a lot of mixing. They do a lot of creating, particularly in the electronica uh, format. But anyway, just something to ponder. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to hear from a friend of ours who's been on the show before. The brisket whisperer, Eddie Wright, from Eddie Wright's Barbecue will be on. He's based in Jackson. Uh, He's one of a handful of people who received the Kingsford Charcoal Preserver of the Pit Pit grant. And he's going to catch us up on what's been going on uh, at Eddie Wright Barbecue and tell us a little bit about the Kingsford Charcoal Preserver of the Pit grant. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Eddie Wright. 
Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing the leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Don't touch that dial. You are tuned to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Malcolm White with Carol Puckett. This is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. And now let's welcome back to the show Mr. Eddie Wright from Eddie Wright's Barbecue. And recently he was selected as one of the very few recipients of the Kingsford Charcoal Preserver of the Pit Grant. So we want to bring you back, Eddie, and thank you for joining us and tell us what's been going down. Well, thank you guys. Thank you very much for having me. Um, it has been a very, very busy 2021 for us here at the Eddie Wright Barbecue Company. Um, we are very excited to be still thriving in the barbecue community here in Mississippi. And um, as you stated earlier, we were selected to uh, be a recipient of the Preserve the Pit grant by Kingsford Charcoal. And everything kind of really took a step up from there. There was a lot of uh, a lot of increased visibility. There was a news story put online, and a lot of people still watch the news. And it, it turned into a <laughs> lot of new customers coming by. And I've just kind of been holding on and keeping my head down, and just kind of still plowing forward and, and enjoying. Well, let let's talk about the Preserve the Pit Award uh, because I found it interesting. We had on our show another friend of ours, Adrian Miller, who just wrote uh, the book black smoke about the history of african-american barbecue and this contest was aimed at kind of the same thing uh, about supporting and keeping alive the african-american barbecue tradition so talk a little bit about that okay um just like you stated uh the book is most definitely a testimony to african-americans and their involvement in pit mastering and barbecue and the preserve the pit, pit the pit, preserve the pit program which is actually a program that kingsford put together to also place emphasis on that turned also into a grant so it was an application process that a lot of us put in for not knowing that there would be a grant but the pool was so large of applicants that they decided to put a grant uh, portion into it to shine a little more light on people who who were good enough but just didn't um, win for the the actual big fellowship. So again, it's been a huge uptrend and um, pitmastering across America is just it, it's just an amazing thing. Um, I often talk to people and I mention to people all the time that we may not get a lot of news coverage about barbecue in Mississippi, but we have a brand of barbecue that is very specific to our home and a blend of all the people and states that surround us. And we have more world champions per capita than any other state in the nation. So that says something about us. Well, that award has to really affirm what you're doing. And I'm glad that they're putting so much publicity out uh, because the whole world's gonna know about Eddie Wright barbecue we most Eddie. definitely hope so. We're going to continue to do it. I know, and your your YouTube channel looks like it's really taken off since the last time we talked to you. Yes, ma'am, it has. We've actually become a uh, partner within the YouTube platform, which means now all of the content we've created will be uh, receiving some small money for. Um, but the great thing about that is it's just a lifetime of 
of information in a lifetime of just small pennies. Pennies make dollars, dollars make you know, a, a small bill that can be paid from here to there. But the great thing about it is those videos and the videos that I'm doing now will be there for a lifetime. So even when I stop doing content, it'll be in the system and people will still find time to watch them and that'll be something I can pass on to my kid and my kids' kids. And I'll still be relevant and a voice or image there for people for the rest of my life as long as I'm on the platform. Well. I'm a subscriber to to your channel. So what is the difference, I mean, to you as far as you know what you how YouTube judges you? I mean, do you do you want people to subscribe? Does that count more than just logging on and looking at the YouTubes? Um, I think it's a little it's 50-50. It's a little bit of both. Uh, they also look at the analytics of it all. They look at your subscriber, your subscribed viewers versus your non-subscribed viewers. And the hot word is everybody likes to use it. That whole YouTube algorithm uses that to kind of feed your content in, in a lot of different ways to try and follow you new viewers and keep you consistent with the viewers that you already have or people that may be searching for specific topics or specific genres of, of, of content there. So there are a lot of variables in that algorithm that kind of just fish you out to certain type of users and hoping they can kind of stick around and get to know you or follow your story or just kind of come back every now and then and you never know. Well, why don't you tell us how to find you on YouTube? Because I know Mississippians and we do love to support each other. So I'm sure our listeners would like to log on and subscribe and watch the YouTubes. Yes, ma'am. That would most definitely be awesome. If you're listening at home or wherever you are, just go to YouTube, youtube.com and just type in Eddie Wright Barbecue. I will, um, I will almost pop up first, but if you type in the name, it'll guarantee pull up me and pull up all of my content that I have going on. And that's the easiest way to find me. It's just like a Google search. So we know that you are deeply engaged in social media and you've spoken uh, very clearly about that. And, and I know that you <clears throat> compete, that, that you travel around and you were, before we went on the air, you were talking about a couple of competitions that you had participated in lately. So my question is, do you also have a retail shop and do you do catering? Yes, what what all is encompassed in the Eddie Wright barbecue brand? Got you. Um, yes, we are a licensed Mississippi caterer and we have a mobile food truck service. So we do a little bit of everything. We cater for special events, um, small corporations, big corporations, mom and pops, private parties. We do it all. Uh, we have an online ordering and menu system to where as you can go to edirightbbq.com and you can find us and you can order online. From there, you can come pick up your order and also expanding a little bit more into that universe um, coming in a little late June, early July, we're going to be launching our first lines of apparel centered around barbecue and barbecue in Mississippi. And I most definitely wanted to announce that here with you guys. Uh, they say everything's bigger in Texas. To that, my new slogan is going to see you say barbecue's better in Mississippi. <laughs> Love it. That's so, fantastic. So, most definitely. And to, to take it a bit further, we talk about food and we know that some of the most some of the most awesome culinary arts in the world are chefs and even people who aren't chefs who provide a lot of love and, and great meals. Uh, Mississippi has some of the best cooks I've ever seen across the nation. I've been a lot of places and I've also adapted a shirt to that that says everything tastes better in Mississippi. So those are going to be two things that are coming soon from the Eddie Wright, Eddie Wright Barbecue Company, along with our first signature rub and just a lot more growth. You'll see a lot more of us visibility-wise. Visibility -wise, just We're just going to grow and show. 
Well, you know, I think the T-shirts would be a good uniform for Malcolm, Java, and me on this show. I will most definitely make sure I get you guys sizes. No, we'll we'll, we'll buy. We want to. No, we'll we'll <laughs> buy. But I I think that that can be a new new uniform. Yeah, and I hope that you uh, print out a shirt that says "Brisket Whisperer." I, I will take that, and I will most definitely run with it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Eddie, I wanted to ask you about the competition in Richland. I believe it was back in April. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching your YouTube on that, and my comment was, ooh, you were tired, and also that you won first place in Pork Butt. Yes. So is Pork Butt your signature, would you say, for the competitions? I would not say it's my signature. It's been one of my um, – it was one of my softest categories when I first got started. I was very strong on ribs, chicken, and brisket. I was, those were the ones I fell in love with. So for the the beginning portion of the pandemic last year, up until this competition, I've been really, really, really studying and applying myself really hard to pork to make sure I get myself in line for competition and with my techniques and how we're supposed to do certain things. And it was so, so rewarding to get that call on a first place pork after all the months of work and time I put into research and development and how I wanted to present my pork to the judges. I felt so good. Well, early when we first started talking, you referenced a topic that is uh, something that I'm endlessly fascinated with, and that is, does Mississippi have a unique barbecue style? We all know about Texas barbecue. We all know about Memphis barbecue. We all know about Alabama white sauce. We all know about Kansas City barbecue. <laughs> but you sort of referenced what you see as a Mississippi style. Can you uh, dig into that a little bit and elaborate sure. on that? In, in my most honest opinion, um, our Mississippi barbecue is a blend of everybody's best. We're a little bit of blends of Kansas City. We're a little bit of Carolina. We're a little bit of Memphis. And we're just a tad bit of Texas. So you take all of those and you blend them together and you get Mississippi barbecue. You'll have a sweet heat element. You'll have a real solid pure smoke element element depending on what you're cooking. Mostly it'll be brisket because there's no sauce needed on brisket if you're doing it right. And then when you're talking about chicken and lamb and other small proteins, you've got just the overwhelming amazing flavor profile that Mississippians know we know how to put in the foods. But we put it in barbecue, but in foods altogether, we know how to give you flavor across every ounce of what we cook. So I'm assuming that you're a smoke guy because uh, you, we talk about your your pit and your grill. But but what about the oven barbecue? Do, do you totally discard that and say, well, that's fine no. if that's all you got, or, or do you use the oven as well? Um, I will use the oven. It's it's a time constraint thing, um, and I, I try to inform people that hey, the one of the one one of the biggest reasons I created my YouTube channel was to impact was was to strengthen people and give them confidence and tell them you too can do amazing barbecue the right way, and the right way is how you want to do it. All you have to do is master what I call the three T's: technique, temperature, and time. And you can do those on any type of cooking device, whether it be an oven crock pot or grill or pit as long as you master those three t's you can do amazing barbecue so oven barbecue is is always a great go-to when you're in a crunch for time or you got a big family and and like i said not a lot of time put it in the oven slap a little sauce on it 
let it, let it, let it glaze over. And it's just as amazing. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that as far as when providing meals on the go, a lot of families still do and have come up. Gotcha. What about wood? There's a lot of conversation about what kind of wood. Uh, so talk to me just a little bit. Carol and I are both interested in what kind of wood you use. Okay, I'm a pecan guy. I'm a base pecan guy. I will start using pecan uh, on most of my recipe profiles when going for smoke flavor. Uh, depending on what I'm doing afterwards, we'll kind of blend it. If we're doing a chicken or a shrimp, we'll do a fruit, maybe a cherry, maybe an apple. If we're doing something like a salmon, we'll go strictly fruit, maybe an orange or a peach. And that's kind of how you want to play with your flavors. Uh, ribs are usually cherry and pecan. Um, for most guys who are running uh, non-assisted uh, smokers, they're running a white oak, which is a hardwood, which will give you a good bed of coals, and they're putting either a little pecan or maybe a little hickory over the top of it to give it a little bit of smoke flavor. So it all comes down to the pit master and how he wants to blend that smoke flavor into his seasoning profile and make them marry together. Where do you get your wood? Like, where does one order uh, peach wood? Uh, peach wood is, is kind of hard to get because, of course, we're in Mississippi, so we're mostly pecan and oak based here. Uh, so you'll usually get that from a local grill store. I get a lot of my I get a lot of my fruit woods from grills in Mississippi or I'll go to Academy and get some from you know, B&B brand. Or sometimes I've gotten lucky to since the announcement of the grant, I've ran into quite a few guys who cut trees down and they've come by and said, hey, I have trees. I have cherry. I have pecan. I have whatever. Just come by and get it. So I've had wow. a lot of open, yes, that has been the biggest blessing in disguise that I never thought would happen. I've had mm-hmm. so many guys come by and say, hey, if you need wood anytime, just come by and pick it up. It seems like a great partnership would be one of these tr- these tree companies who, who are constantly removing trees. It seems like if, if you were on their uh, speed dial, you could pick up a lot of cool wood. Yes, sir. I most definitely plan on introducing myself to quite a few more because I (laughs) love to have as much as I can have. And I have a lot of pitmaster brothers who, and grill, pitmaster and grillmaster brothers and sisters who I'm trying, who already know about what I know about and those who I'm trying to inform and teach. And it's nothing for somebody to be like, hey, what do I do for X, Y, and Z? Or, hey, can I come grab a little bit of, you know, so if I have more than enough, it's nothing for me to be able to give, hey, take this wood, hey, take this wood, try this wood, what you do next. And that's the education process of it all. Okay. Well, what's next? Tell, t- let's tell our listeners what, what's, the new, what's the newest thing, what you're working on now, and what they can expect from Eddie Wright Barbecue. Eddie Wright Barbecue is, again, uh, apparel, and we're working on our first signature rub. It has been approved. Uh, we may have one more test run of it before we go to packaging, and that is going to be our next biggest thing. We're going to give you what we call the right rub. It's balanced for chicken, pork, or even steak, from what I've been told, and it makes a mean burger. So we want to give you a little bit of Eddie Wright that you can use on all of your friends. Uh, who are you working with on your rub? Do you, do you, are you working with a, a company that, that does this? Are you working with Mississippi State? Are you doing it yourself? I am literally DIYing it and <laughs> using friends and family as research. Okay. So if you guys would like a test run of it, hey, <laughs> let's get it started. I would love to have the feedback because the consumers, the real consumers, you guys and people who are listening are the people who I care about the most. Not the big the big stores. Those are great. But the people who will use it every day and give me the most honest feedback, that's who I want to have this first. 
All right, Eddie Wright, thank you so much for joining us today. You are the brisket whisperer, and we thank are happy. Me. And congratulations again on the uh, the award, the Kingsford Charcoal Preserver of the Pit Award and the grant. And we look forward to seeing what's next in your world and having you back on soon. So have a great barbecue season, and thanks again for coming on. All right, thank it's you. time for a break. When we come back, we will hear from one of our – Delta-based correspondence. He is the gas station foodie extraordinaire. Stafford Sheridan will be on next, so stay tuned and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. And you're listening to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Malcolm White with Carol Puckett, Java Chapman, our producer and uh, DJ extraordinaire. He's been up at the Grammy Museum and he's come back with uh, lots of tales from the road. And now it's time to check in uh, with our gas station food uh, guru. I don't know if, 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 if he's on the line yet or not. I'm looking. Oh, I'm, I'm looking. I'm here. Hey, Stafford, I didn't see your, uh, your, your logo up there. What's been happening with you, my man? You know, I've been mostly farming lately, but I have managed to get around and check out some uh, gas stations for sure. You're a farmer, you're a restaurateur, and you are a uh, gas station foodie expert. So where you been lately? So I was just in Taylor, Mississippi a couple of days ago, and I stopped at uh, Carter's Grocery. Been there since the 40s. And just uh, Robert Carter, who took the store over from, they had rented the store out, and he took it back over and opened it back up and just has an incredible story. And that video, I got that video up now. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's number 89, Stafford. That means that there were 88 before it. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, since, I'm getting around. Since we've been working, yeah, since we've been working with you, you were you were really getting getting around. And what a great video number eighty nine was! Uh, I think you're going to be sending a lot of people over to Taylor for the Mojo Burger. I hope so. You know, it's one of the fulfilling things about this is, you know, and I say in the video, we're all in this together. I I really understand what restaurants and i know malcolm you understand what we're going through and what we've been through in the last year and you especially in these little bitty small towns and here's a guy that literally took this uh, his family's business over in the middle of like seven months ago middle of the pandemic took a huge risk he washes cars when it's not busy to make up the difference so that's the kind Mm -hmm. i mean the guy hustles and he's a good community-minded person and so i've been able to kind of shed some light on what he's doing is is pretty fulfilling yeah 
Well, in, earlier in the show, we were talking about scrambled egg techniques and omelet techniques. I know you go to a lot of uh, service stations uh, that feature fried chicken and barbecue and hot plate lunches and, and that sort of thing. But what about breakfast? You, you got some favorite uh, gas station breakfast to recommend for our listeners? You know, it's, it's so weird because I almost never eat breakfast. And, you know, outside of the deep south, I was in Texas, and there's a great gas station out there that does kolaches and all kind of stuff. But that's a little out of your range there. But I, I bet I hadn't done three or four breakfast reviews total in out of 89. Well, nothing's outside our range, my friend. So we're happy to hear about We got our listeners so, travel. So they, they go and they do. Let me just tell you, there's a, what I didn't know was there's a uh, – a Czech influence, in, and I'm, I, I think I'm doing this CK a little too hard, but there's a Czech influence in Texas. It's the largest yep. population of Czechs in America are in Texas. And you go to West hmm. Texas, and there's these two Czech bakeries and gas stations, one across the highway from the other one. And they have some of the most amazing, and we think of kolaches here as being uh, dough wrapped around sausage. That's really not what it is, I found out. And you you just have to go check this place out it's if you're anywhere around it's a little north of waco but i mean some of the one of the nicest bakeries i've ever seen and there's not one there's two of them and just right across the interstate from each other it's a really really cool if you're in that part of texas it's like a must stop kind of a place wow well i was very interested uh in in some of your your videos seeing that you headed for texas i mean you, you did quite the road trip and tell us a little bit about that so, you know, you guys were just talking about barbecue, and, and I, I don't want to mess with Texas, but one of the things, I had a really hard time finding the barbecue I really was looking for, and I was almost back to Louisiana, and I stopped in Crockett, Texas at Docks, and that was some of the best barbecue I had while I was on the trip. But that's what I really wanted to find, like great brisket. I didn't see the first beef rib at any place I stopped at, not the first one, which I was so disappointed, you know. But I was sticking to gas stations. We got some great homemade peach ice cream at Cooper Farms, and I can't remember what town that was, but we, we went all over. The peach ice cream was solid, by the way. Good, good. <laughs> well, what's going on at the Stafford Market and Deli, your own restaurant that you now have celebrated 16 years of business, which I will say, my friend, is quite <laughs> an accomplishment. You know, I the year we opened, I think a lot of people said they won't make it six months kind of a place, you know, because Drew is such a small town. And rather than the town grow while I've been there, it's actually shrunk pretty a pretty good bit in the last 16 years. So it's pretty amazing that we're still hanging on, but we've been oddly really busy the last few months especially. I don't know if it's – are you catching that same kind of vibe? Are you getting that at Highland Miles? Well, yes, and it's just started in in the last month, month and a half, where yeah. we could actually see people uh, starting to circulate that we had not seen during the entire uh, pandemic. We saw a very small group of people during the pandemic that would that would come in, but now we're starting to see the people we have not seen in a year, year and a half. 
so it, it, it's really now our problem is, you know, we're struggling to hire people, but that's everybody's problem. And I'm not going to beat that dead horse. It yeah, is what well. it is. And you're either in business and you're a businessman or woman or you're out of business because you can't take the heat in the kitchen. So that's just that. That's a fact. It's, uh, you know, we're seeing people that we've never seen before. I mean, people are not just, I, I really have this theory that the reason the gas station thing has been so popular through the pandemic, I, I don't think people are going to be flying out of the country much in the next year or so, but I really expect like that great American road trip, you know, that yeah. quintessential right after World War II road trip that everybody was taking on Route 66. And I think that's probably coming back. Yeah, don't well, you know? There's a lot being written about that right now. I know the co cover of Garden and Gun this month, New York Times bit, did a big uh, article on on the the road trip. I think we're going to see a lot of road trippers, and I'm going to be one. And I think I mean, this uh, business of renting, uh, you know, a, a, a trailer or renting a rig, and the whole family piling into it uh, and sleeping in it, uh, it's not a good trend for hotels and not a great trend for restaurants, but it does uh, signal uh, that people are going to hit the road uh, and they're going to uh, take the family. And as you say, it's the great American road trip. I can't wait to get back out there, uh, put my canoe on top of my car, go see some people and drive around and eat. Yeah. And Malcolm, when you're driving around, you may want to stop and make a reservation at the Stafford Summer Supper Club. Yeah, tell us about that. That's I'm I'm looking forward to knowing some info on that. Maybe we can make a, a group run. So you know we're not open at night. We're a lunch spot, but I've got a young guy working for me that's a pretty good chef, and we had talked about doing some things at night. So we decided to do this supper club, and we're going to do like four events this summer. 24 people is all we're selling tickets for, and they'll be coursed out events. This one, I used to own the restaurant, 1933 Restaurant Bar, so we're basing this one Friday night on the menu from 1933, but we'll have themes. So the next one is going to be like uh, maybe uh, he's from New Orleans, worked for Dickie Brennan in New Orleans, and I know you're familiar with, and so we'll probably do a New Orleans theme next time, but we'll have themes each one of them. We had not planned them all out yet, so this is kind of a – I was like, hey, let's do these uh, four of these events. And we threw one together and started selling tickets. <laughs> so, well, I, I see that you can sign up on your website. But I, I just want to say that that $50 price tag is extremely reasonable. You know, so many people charge an arm and a leg for these special supper club dinners. And um, that looks like a pretty good deal to me. I think so, and you'll get five or six courses. They'll be real small plates, obviously, but it's BYOB, so we don't we don't have a liquor license, so we're not we have beer license, we don't have a liquor license, so we're not doing that. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. We've already sold, I think, we have twenty four tickets, and we've sold all but eight or ten or something like that for Friday night. Good Great. for you. And and uh, where can people go to 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 get a ticket or to you can follow the restaurant on Facebook, and there's a link on Facebook. It's probably the easiest way to – you can buy tickets right online. And i got to throw this out there. I wasn't going to tell this, but I'm going to tell it. There's an actor named Jeremy London that you guys may or may not know, but he's he was in a show called Party of Five, um, Gods and Generals. If you remember that epic, that Civil War epic, he was uh, uh, in that movie and some other movies. But he lives in Madison. 
And during the pandemic, he started growing vegetables because he didn't know what else to do. He wasn't acting, so he started growing vegetables. And he had all these peppers. He started making pepper jelly and selling it online. So that's one of the ingredients this Friday night is is his pepper jelly. He's going to come to the event, so that's pretty cool. That is. Yeah, cool. it sounds good. Now, uh, Stafford, an, another one of your entrepreneurial enterprises is selling merchandise. And I have seen you wear your Archie from Drew T-shirt uh, in some of your your uh, broadcasts. But I love the new shirt, the Stafford Farms new shirt. I mean, the Sheridan Farms. It's Sheridan Farms. Sheridan Farms. And with cotton, soybeans, and rice underneath so, the Sheridan Farms. I got to tell you, we don't grow cotton anymore. But when I was a kid, my dad had these business cards. And they were just white business cards with black writing. And they just had A.W. Sheridan. Cotton, soybeans, rice. That's all that was on the whole business card and his phone number. And uh, I always thought that was kind of cool. So we talked about doing a shirt and farm shirt. And I thought, you know what, let's make it look like that because I'm always about, you know, being sentimental and all that kind of stuff. I got to tell you an Archie story. So I made that shirt. I wasn't sure how Archie might feel about it, but I happened to have Archie's email address and I sent him. Uh, I got his email address and his actual address, and I sent him one of those shirts, and he actually got my number and texted me a fist bump. So when you get the fist bump <laughs> from Archie Manny, you know everything's okay. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that you're selling merchandise to support your gas station habit. I, I think that's a very good idea, and I, for one, am going to order the uh, Shirt and Farm shirt. Hopefully we'll have those in today. It'll be today or tomorrow. I'll be mailing those out because we've already sold quite a few. Well, that's that's great. I so, saw so, it on Twitter. Keep it up. Oh yeah. Gotta so you're Twitter. doing merchandising. You're making uh, t-shirts. Eddie Wright's doing merchandising. He's doing t-shirts. Carol, maybe we should do a Deep South Dining t-shirt, but I would want one that says simply, "Perhaps I can help." Help, Bruce exactly. Browning. Exactly. Uh, I'm telling Stafford, you, you could sell a lot of those T-shirts. Yeah, we had we had a had a friend who has sadly left us, and he was uh, a musician, man of the world, never had any money, and his business card. He was a bon vivant. Let's That's say right. it's always the best company, but he had a business card with his name on it, Bruce Browning, and underneath. Perhaps I can help. And that covers a lot of ground. <laughs> yes, it does. Hey, I want to ask you a question uh, in your travels, uh, Stafford. Is the bakery cafe in Leland still there uh, on the right on the highways? You're, it's gone. Well, what about the, the in West Point, the little cafe bakery? I think these are both of those were. Uh, uh, Religious well, I don't know about the West Point one. I, I don't, you know, I, I went to West Point and did a review there one time, but I don't know about the Bakery Cafe. Okay, but what about the one in Leland, Carol? You say it's gone? Yeah, it's I, gone. I think it's what it called Connie's or something like that. Yeah, it was Connie's. Yes. It was uh, a Mennonite-owned bakery, right. and uh, after Connie retired, she sold it to someone else locally. But it is now sadly shuttered. And Malcolm, the I reason believe... I know that is because I went to get you a lemon pie one time mm. when I went by. I was going to surprise you, and it was shuttered. 
Lord. I know somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the Dutch oven in Clarksdale is still operating, though, which is yeah, the same and, and setup boy, as that one in Leland. Yes, and, and they are very famous for their chocolate pie. Uh, a few All years ago, Bread, I, yeah, I, did a, I did an article for uh, Delta Magazine on the best pies in the region, and their chocolate pie was phenomenal. Well, this other place, the name of which I cannot recall, is in West Point, and it's in an old fast food location on your left going north outside of West Point. And I think it's a Mennonite operation or some sort of <clears throat> family owned and operated. They do a bakery. They do. I think they do breakfast and lunch and that's it. So I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's uh, M- Malcolm, like a could, place at home or a piece of uh, home. Could it be a touch of home bakery? That's it. That's it. Touch of that's home. That's it. Okay, it's still there. All right. We got a research assistant, Carol Puckett, right here on the money. That's my job. (laughs) But that place reminded me very much of of the one in Leland. Uh, And so anyway, maybe there's a whole group of these restaurants uh, around the state that are family owned, maybe affiliated with a religion or not. I don't know. All right, so uh, you got the big event coming up Friday night, um, and, and also you say there will be a series, Stafford, of these these dinners. We're going to do four this summer is what we're going to try to do, and we're, we'll also, you know, maybe do some pop up, just pop up and open one night. You know, we're yeah. we don't want to be a permanent. You know, I like going home at night. My family likes yep. me to be home at night, so I've done the nighttime restaurant thing and and it didn't uh it didn't work for me that well so we try to stay open at lunch and make that work but you know with uh, you still have to pay bills so it's nice to open every now and then and and uh, have a little more money to make the light bill at the end of the month. Right. Hey Mel you know, and and Stafford but before we go I don't think we gave enough shout out to the Mojo Burger. And uh, you know, you said it's hand padded, it's thick, and it's made with a whole lot of love and none of your business. Yeah, a whole lot of none of your business is what he told me. And I was in there, and in court, everybody's going to ask, what's the Mojo Burger? And every time I would come in and ask that, he would look at me and say, see, they're trying to get the recipe out of me, but they're not going to do it. But it, he said it's it's uh, it re- it's supposed to be like what you would cook on your grill at home, and it really does remind you of that. I mean, it reminds you of a home-cooked burger. Gotcha. Well, we'll be on the lookout for the Mojo Burger as we cross back and forth across the state and do some traveling. Stafford Sheridan, man, we appreciate you being on. Good luck with all of the above, and we'll check back in with you in uh, a very short order. Always so that about does it. Yes, sir, brother. That does for Deep South Dining today. We are a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and we are funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. Our show was produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Puckett, our special guest, Eddie Wright, Stafford Sheridan, I'm Malcolm White. So now please stay tuned for Marshall Ramsey's show, Now You're Talking, followed by Southern Remedy at 11 a.m. Join Carol and I next Monday for more Deep South Dining heard right here only on MPB Think Radio.